Hello guys, uh, welcome to the All Sport Unlock Show. Um, here today on a uh, Wednesday afternoon. Um, Ben's just gotten home from work. I've just uh, gotten off the golf course. Um, so we've had uh, differing days. I'd say I'm just in front. How are you going, Ben? <laughs> I'm good, thanks, mate. I'm uh, yeah, I'm all right. A bit tired, but ha- ha- more importantly, how'd you them? Oh, look, up and down. The uh, I've got my I've got my driver working uh, pretty well, which is uh, that's it's, it's, it's a good start. But um, fortunately, the rest of my game uh, didn't really uh, back it up. Played uh, one one or two nice approach shots. No, that was about it. There was a lot of a uh, lot of scrounging around the trees. Um, we'll, uh, we're getting there. We'll, uh, we'll continue to move along, and uh, eventually we'll start playing some reasonable golf. Been a uh, been a pretty large uh, day of sport actually. Now that we uh, yeah, a few events discussing it. Um, obviously, story of the day um, probably the uh, the Cricket Australia um, CEO Kevin Roberts um, getting the flick. Um, which basically stemmed down from how they've handled um, the, the entire uh, COVID um, outbreak and what they've done with staff. Um, and then they basically don't really have a plan, um, kind of abandoned the grassroots, it seems. Yeah. Um, obviously, and they, they didn't qualify for the JobKeeper, so 80% of the staff have been just laid off completely. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's, there's no real, uh, no real uh, plan to get it back. Um, which is which is pretty concerning um, for Cricket Australia, and it'll be interesting to see what happens um, from here with the with the new uh, administration coming in, um, whether we'll be able to get back. And it, it looks now like the World Twenty Twenty um, is just a, a foregone conclusion that will uh, be pushed back. So I can, can't see any situation where they can get fourteen countries uh, into Australia with the current climate, uh, in, including with the ICC Cricket Australia. Um, as well as um, all the uh, restrictions that are on by what have we got four months? Um, yeah, I, I don't, I don't see how they could possibly. I, I'd, I'd love them to figure out how they could, but I, I just don't see how it's possible. I, I think the logical thing is just to push it back to after Christmas. Yeah. Um, by by that stage, I think it'll be a little bit easier. Um, clearly, I think that the, there's no doubt about the Test series against India. India have already said that they'll do whatever it takes, whether it's quarantining for, for a couple of weeks beforehand and afterwards. Um, but, yeah, they're, they're, that'll be fine. Maybe, when, maybe we play more games against India um, to compensate and try and get some of that revenue revenue share back, um, which I'm sure India will be happy to do considering they're over here. So maybe add on that extra test or an uh, extra couple of one days or whatever, whatever it takes. Because I think we should have cr- crowds back, at least in some areas. And I uh, think that actually – that makes – a lot of sense doing that if even if we just play india mm. um because everyone knows there's a large indian population in australia and every yeah. time india come over here the crowds are pretty big especially, for both countries. Yeah, especially melbourne yeah it's um it's always a great you always get great amount of crowds to the game so i think um even if it was just india the revenue would still come back even more so than if we played other countries, but um... yeah, well, basically the world, the way that the cricket world works at the moment is you you tread water financially until you play India in a Test series. Yes, um, it's <laughs> not sure how sustainable that is, but um, no, we're, we're not economists, are we? We um, we are we certainly about as far about as far from it. As can be. <laughs> um, so, but obviously, cricket's going to have. I think cricket's going to have some challenging times out of all the sports coming out, out of the whole coronavirus. Um, all the challenges that have come with that. 
Um, so that remains to be seen um, what, what will happen there. Um, but obviously not a, not a great time to lose your CEO. Um, a couple of names have been floated up as replacements. Uh, obviously a fair bit of water to go under the bridge. Um, do, you know, do, do you know who, who you think will be... Um... Oh, too, too early to say, mate. Um, yeah, too, too early to say. That obviously, I haven't even started interviewing anyone. I, I'm, off the top, man, I can't remember the guy's name who's taken over temporarily. But he was the guy that was, he was meant to be leading the World 2020. Ah, he was right, meant yep. to be in charge of that. So basically, he's just shifted. Um, I, I've got some breaking news as well. So four minutes ago, um, Cree Australia have, uh, revealed a $40 million cut to the budget. Um, $40 million cut? So uh, the 200, 200 uh, job losses across Cree Australia and all state and territory yep. um, associations. Uh, top flight Cree, domestic Cree is largely unscathed. Uh, so the Marsh, Sheffordshire, the Marsh, they cut will both be 10 games and 7 games respectively. Mm-hmm. Um, the Toyota Second Eleven competition will be cancelled. Um, the National Premier Cricket 2020 competition and Australia 8 tours have all been cancelled. Yep. Um, and the Big Bash is looking like it'll be uh, limited as well, which I reckon they're going to do anyway. Uh, but that, that they're not sure about that yet. Um, they're going to have to wait on the Big Bash a little bit longer. Um, under 19 uh, competitions will continue. Under 17 and 15s for um, male and female will both be scrapped this summer. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. Uh, and then there's been a few initiatives um, for the for the grassroots, but there's a big uh, some big cuts. Uh, Nick Hockley is the interim CEO. I uh, yep should say. Uh, so basically, that's just for this summer. I think the plan is to once again um, get get going after this summer with everything that's been cancelled. Um, but yeah, not 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 great considering the the sorry state of of the uh, the pathway. As it is in Australia, after um, the, the, what's been happened to what's happened to it over the re- recent years, with the uh, right. second eleven being becoming a bit of a bit of a joke sort of a, a competition. Yeah, well, um, I think as we said, I think just going looking at all those budget cuts, I think it is the one positive we or we've we've gotten a bit lucky with that it is India we are playing this summer. Mm-hmm. Which will help boost, I guess, if we if we manage to get crowds, even if they're limited, compared to if we played like Sri Lanka, for example. Um, obviously, the crowds wouldn't be as big. Or, um, but yeah, I think it will be a obviously it's a tough road for all sports at the moment. But I think cricket it will be hard to get people back. Um, do you reckon? The, do you reckon the, um, the loss of the the second eleven? I reckon that's a, there's a fair chance that could become permanent, based on what what we've seen. In the, in, in, you're, in talking about the, you're talking about the futures, aren't you? Well, it's, it's, it, it was changed back to the second eleven comp last year oh, uh, from okay. the futures because um, well, the plan in the beginning. Because when you when you go back and uh, listen to you know all, all the players of yesteryear, the second eleven competition was just as tough tough as the first eleven competition. You'd have yep. you'd have like for example, like if you obviously because they didn't play as much test cricket, but and so there's more play pearling shield games. But if you're playing for New South like in the New South Wales Second Eleven, there's a fair chance you'd play Test cricket. Um, <laughs> whereas now, it's pretty much all 19-year-olds, 20-year-olds who aren't aren't making bulks of runs in, in district cricket to start with. Um, that are get kind of getting not 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 fed the game because obviously they're very talented players, but 
not not earning it like like you once had to. Uh, a lot of fast tracking um, goes on, and I, I do think it is. It gets to the stage where kids that kids get through early on in their in their rankings when they are four, um, 13, 14, they get picked for young state teams, and they just get stuck. They get kept in the system, yeah. and they might might have been a gun when they were 13, 14, but to be fair. They actually haven't improved that much, and there's better junior cricketers, better young cricketers around the country that are missing out because these people who just made it when they were younger mm-hmm. have just got themselves locked in the side, and they just keep getting games in the futures, or and they don't really have yeah. any um sort of anything to back it up. I, I think I think the futures should be like a it should be a thing for younger kids, or not young not kids, but like. It should be a proving ground to get p- pulled up into. Um, it should be it should be like a reserves comp. Yeah, but like, it, it, but that's not well. That's not what it's been. It's been more of like a just a development a play, sort of thing. Yeah, development thing. It should be a reserves where if you make run, you make runs, you have the chance to get called up for your Sheffield Shield side, and if you're not making runs, you get put down into you get drop back to Premier. And if yeah. someone's making runs in Premier, they should be able to get called up. I think, I feel like if it should work that way is if there's someone in Premier making consistent runs, even if they're not really on any radar, they should get an opportunity if they want to take it, obviously. Uh, there's people out there that really wouldn't want to. But I think they should. there should be that sort of structure of the Premier comps around the country should be trying to lead people, give them people more hope to play. Because if you, hope, hopefully you make some runs and you keep making runs, you improve more. And then if you get a couple injuries or people aren't making runs in the res- reserves of Victoria, for example, you get a chance to um, play for the, the resis and see what it's actually like. I, it, I think it should work like that, more yeah, pathway. Yeah. Of course, it uh, unfortunately hasn't been the case um, elsewhere in the uh, in the world. Um, so the uh, U.S. Open in the tennis has been announced to go as as uh, scheduled in September. Um, obviously, over in New York, uh, which has been the epicenter um, for the coronavirus, um, already after the decision, uh, I think it was overnight last night. There's been a lot of pushback um, from the players. Um, I know Novak and uh, and Rasta Rafa have been uh, leading the way, um, basically saying you know, it's it's just irresponsible to put the players in that sort of situation. Uh, as you probably guessed, Kyrgios put in his two cents. He's never, 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 did, never been too shy. What did what did he say? Oh, he he actually agreed uh, with Novak for a change. Uh, not not you don't hear that every day, but he basically said he wouldn't go. No, wouldn't wouldn't risk. I don't, I don't think it makes too much sense playing in what was probably one of the worst um, hit cities in the world, um, how you could play a full tennis tournament there. Only I'm, uh, I'm, I'm almost certain um, that, that, that that's not happening. Um, obviously, they, the, the, the governor of New York has approved it. The ATP has approved it. But you know, if, you, if you don't get Novak and Nadal, and Federer. Um, well, Federer is already out for the year anyway. Um, but uh, if you don't get those, well, if you don't get any of those three, then I don't think many people are, are watching your, your tennis tournament. 
because um, they yeah. they obviously all the main main draw cards. Um, on the on that uh, on that uh, topic uh, of the on the USA and going back to the sport was uh, obviously the events of the NBA um, the last couple of days, um, led by Kyrie Irving um, expressing his doubts uh, over um, the returning due to the obviously everything going on with this, the uh, the race the uh, Black Lives Matter movement um, over there and then also um, the coronavirus um, outbreak and everything. It's going on over there, and obviously going into the hub, moving away from families and whatnot. Um, so that's another thing. But it seems like there's a lot of pushback um, from the players to Kyrie. Obviously, I think I read somewhere there's about twenty to twenty-five players who agree who have a similar position to, to Irving. Yep. Um, but a lot of the superstars disagree and think it'll be a good thing for basketball to get back going, which which I agree with. Um. Yeah, it, it, I think it, that's the best way for them to, to you know, show show some solitude, um, and and keep fighting the battles, if if they are actually out on the court, um, because if if they're not, you know, obviously it's first of all it's their job to do that, um, and then second of all, it, it they don't have, they don't have nearly the, the amount of voice that they do on on social issues. Um, then if they were still playing basketball, there's a lot more, lot more ways to exploit that, um, and to to try and make it a difference for good if you're out on the court, and uh, giving people a reason to smile. I I I'd have to agree. I think, um, I th- yeah, I have to agree. Yeah, and basketball players, it, they they shouldn't. They I understand why they could be pushing back, but I think. I think for the good of the country and the way that the country is at the moment, they've got to play basketball and try and get people's minds off it, um, off what everything's going. Yeah, and, um, yeah absolutely. Um, so obviously we've just uh, buttoned through the uh, the main uh, talking points um, of the past couple of days around the world in the uh, in the sporting world. Um, so let's get back onto the onto the footy. Obviously, we did a did a bumper episode on on Monday discussing so what was a large weekend with a few upsets, yep. um, a few uh, few think few uh, things changed. So what we're going to do, we're probably going to do this every two or three weeks, uh, an episode like this one where we'll do the the power rankings, uh, and then our rolling all Australian team. Um, so basically, with the power rankings, it's not not where it's not it's not my ladder prediction. Uh, it's essentially where teams are placed after like a, a rolling period of normally about three to four weeks and then looking forward to the next couple of weeks too. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, yeah, as I said, and it's not necessarily how I rank the teams either on, on ladder position or just on, um, on strength. Um, so without further ado, um, so I've got the, the two c- combatants from uh, from last Thursday, one and two. So I've, Still got the Tigers um, number one on my list. Yep. Um, I think they're there, but they're there until they get beaten. Um, Collingwood obviously close as you can get, uh, which is why I've uh, I've put them at number two, um, and have a have a good chance of uh, extending, um, and put getting a fo- couple more four pointers in the next couple of weeks. Um, I've got uh, two big winners from the weekend at uh, three and four: Port Adelaide and Geelong. Mm-hmm. Um, Port Adelaide probably the biggest riser um, for me 
think uh, obviously going into the season, going into round two, I think everyone thought they were a pretty good side. I'm not sure if people uh, really took them seriously as a as a potential top four sort of thing. Well, I think um, I think they they those from that draft they, those kids have really stepped up this year. Yeah. Oh, uh, Connor Rosie's just taking his game to an absolute another level. Yeah. Um, but the next two weeks for the for the power are going to be very telling. Obviously, free go, head over to the Queensland hub now. Yep. Um, obviously, the Dockers uh, this week, which they should should win, and then the Eagles the week after, um, and then back to the Lions. So, next three weeks, chances to win all three of those. If they can get through unscathed, um, then that we'll be talking about them as a serious um, top four, top two sort of contender. But I think I think what, like you said, I think this those three weeks are real proving for them. Hmm. If they can actually take hold of this um, and finish be top five and zero after those um, three rounds, but from what I've seen um, from them in the in the last couple of years with this sort of list, uh, I'm not uh, not going to be too bullish on them yet just yet. But for the moment, uh, they are my number three. The Cats just continue to move on. Uh, obviously, huge win over the Hawks should take care of business once again down in Geelong this week against the Blues, uh, and then their their next real test. Um, comes round five. Well, actually, no, they're playing Gold Coast. They've got three easy ones in a row um, with the cat, with the Blues and the Demons and then the Suns. Um, the Demons probably offers the biggest test, um, but based off last week's form, you'd have to think that the uh, the Cats have got, got them covered. You'd have to think so. Um, and then number five, um, as I said on the podcast on uh, Tuesday Tuesday morning, um, I, I'm giving the Giants a a passing, passing uh, effort from this one. Um, obviously, if it happens again this week, then we're going to have to start asking some questions. Obviously, playing the doggies this week, who who find themselves right down the bottom of the list after their their uh, first couple rounds. Um, but they've got they've got too much talent to be any lower than that, and I'm expecting a big turnaround from them. Number six, I've got the Kangas, um, who obviously beat the Giants. But yeah. um, I'm gonna. I think they're the real deal. The giant, the North. Uh, uh, we've briefly talked about it uh, on um, Tuesday, but I was saying then that their top six sort of players um, are actually they're as good as anyone's. When you look at your Cunnington, um, your Goldstein, your Zeebel, your Ben Brown, your Robbie Tarrant, um, that kind of group there, and and uh, Sean Higgins. That's um, that's as good as it gets. And then now all of a sudden, what separates them from this year to last? You throw in the improvement of guys like Jared Polek, Taron Thomas, Cam Zerha, Jai Simkin, Aaron Hall looks like he's playing better footy. Um, Sean Attlee, Trent Dumont are all in, improving as well. So it's, it, it, it comes out, out as a very, very solid sort of list. Um, and I think, oh, I th- well, Obviously, maybe they're not as good as what they showed last week, and they might start to tail off. But they're very they're very experienced, and they've got a good good blend through the midfield with uh, ins and outs, and they got very bookended very well with Tarrant and Brown and Zebel and Zerha are very hard to stop um, up forward when they get going. Uh, Nick Larky to come back in as well, um, so I'm pretty happy with where the Kangas are at. So I think uh, I think they're pretty good odds to make the finals as well. About two dollars twenty. So I think yeah. If I were a betting man, that's where I'd be looking. Uh, next up, I have the Eagles, uh, number seven. 
They um, obviously not not much can be said. You see the stat Ben that they ran more K's apparently in the intra club the week before than they did on Saturday night against the Suns. That's that's not a great sign, is it? Um, especially at a team that everyone thought was so likely to be up in um, up the top of the table and yeah. fighting for a premiership again. I think that's very disappointing. I dare say that it would have been a uh, a long, long video review session um, for those uh, boys on Monday. <laughs> it it was a um, it would have been. I'm sure that would have been nice feeling in the change rooms after the game. Would have been some some hard truths, I think, that come out of that one. Yes. Um, so I've got them. I'm keeping them, obviously, top four chance at the start of the year. They, should, they don't deserve to go any lower than that. Um, I've got, got the Saints at number eight, um, just sneaking uh, the top after a big win over the Doggies. Um, but I think the, with the Saints, the next two weeks are going to be the, uh, the, the big factor. Yeah, uh, the pies this week, and then the tigers the week after. So, I think got to hold judgment on them for the next two weeks, um, and we'll uh, we'll reassess after what comes out of playing arguably the two best sides in the comp. Um, so that's what we're going to do there. And then obviously, they, if they're any good, come out of that looking good, then they go and beat the Blues. Uh, so if they can, if they can really can split one of those, one of the next two. Um, um, unlikely, but if, if they can do it, it'd be a huge win for them. And then beat the Blues round five, be three and two, then uh, you're looking very good from there because the fixture's going to open up uh, from there. Uh, number nine, I've got the Bombers, uh, two and oh, so can't really go any lower than this, but I haven't really been overly convinced, beating two pretty ordinary sides uh, in Fremantle and Sydney uh, and haven't been overly convincing um, either time. Um, as I think we said on the other night, um, Demons this week, Blues the week after, and uh, Collingwood the week after that. So they've got a good chance to you know, get out to a four and one sort of start, and from there it's pretty tough um, to miss out. But if they lose one of the next two, um, then that confirms a lot of suspicions that maybe they're not as good of a side uh, as we thought. Uh, Brisbane at number ten. Once again, not over convincing last week, which is why they've slipped down a little bit. Big game this Saturday night against the Eagles. Demons number eleven. Uh, I'm I'm being a bit a little bit bullish on the Demons. I, I'm back. I'm backing them to beat the Bombers this week. I think their their best footy, which they showed uh, on Saturday Saturday night, is good enough. And I think after similar to what we said about the West Coast, the way they played in those last three quarters, I don't think that's reflective of what they'll do going forward. I think what's what's come out after the game with the, from the media and what the players have said to the media, they are playing to playing to not lose. And I yeah. think they'll uh, they'll start uh, start to um, look at themselves and not do that as well. I think that if Melbourne can, and I feel like I say this every every year, if we can stop, like um, Stephen May came out and said, I think they just they stopped playing um, the way they should have, and they. Um, in that after the first quarter, they stopped, they didn't play as aggressive. They just went back into their shells. And it wasn't until the last quarter when they sort of, they didn't kick, they didn't really finish, but they um stopped. They played a lot better towards the end because they actually had to, they had to win the game. Yeah. Once they got ahead, it's, they, once you stop trying to win the game, that's when you, I think it applies for most clubs. 
when you stop trying to kick goals and you just go to all defensive and back in your shelves, it's when you play your worst footy. Yeah, agreed. Um, so I've got Gold Coast uh, next, number 12. Should take care of the uh, d- the Dismal Crows this week. Um, and if they do, then by a margin, then we'll uh, start to think, thinking about them as a more of a reasonable side than, we, than we've seen in the past. And the Dockers the next week, um, and then a tough one against the Cats uh, in just round five. Looking, just a question, looking at their, um, their look, you looking at their list and stuff, what, how, how far away do you think they are from becoming a finals threat in terms of their list? Coming, and, from being, are we talking about a team that's going to win eight games or 12 games? Or a, team that's, a team that's going to make the eight. And it's going to be competitive in the finals. Um, I think they're pretty close to having the 22. Um, I think there's, there's still a few holes that need to be filled in. A bit more experience. Um, yep. if, but if they do the next two or three off-seasons right um, by adding in whether it's getting Brad Crouch, who they were linked to a lot last year, um, someone like that, probably another key forward to help out um, Benny King. Yep. Um, where, where you can, I don't know where you're going to find someone like that. But I don't think they're overly far away. When you've had this, you've got this much talent, um, and whether you use some of them to try and get another piece or... Um, it, it, but I, I think I'd say three years. If, if that's if they do it right, though. Um, oh yeah, because talking about it, you'd be like, is anyone, is there any real players that are going to be committed enough to try and go up to um, Gold Coast and help them get be? And I'm, I'm not talking about a player that's past their prime, but yeah. someone that's actually in their prime. Are that is anyone going to be willing enough to actually go up and try and wi- be a winner with the, with Gold Coast? Well, I've really got Lockie Weller. He's the only one who's pretty keen to, to get up there. Yeah. Uh, outside of that, they've kind of just got the fringe players. Yeah. Um, Hugh Green was probably a little bit better than a fringe player. Um, but apart from that, you know, you, you had Brandon Ellis's, um and guys like that. But I, I think if you can get someone like a Brad Crouch, um, that would obviously, I don't think he makes a massive impact on the game, but at least if someone is going to get you 35 touches, at least got to pay attention to. Will help yeah. Raul, Raul Anderson, uh, those those kind of guys out. Um, but yeah, I, 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 if it, it's all if they do it properly, because um, yeah. we were talking about them. Because for them, this is year two. It's, it's not it's not year nine. It's year two. Yeah. Um, so yeah, but I think they're gonna, they're going to win a few games this year. Probably still in the bottom four, but um, if they can get this get this uh, progression right. Um, then we'll be looking at them in three or four years, I think, if everything goes to plan. Um, I've got the Hawks at 13. Um, are just horrendous in that second half. Uh, as Clark has said, you know, second second rate doesn't do them justice. Um, third or fourth rate is probably where they're at. Look at the top top 10 disposal getters on the ground. Um, just Tom Mitchell is the only one uh, who featured as a Hawk. Um, so I think they've got some work to do in there. I don't think they've got a heap of players to really come back in. Obviously, O'Meara um, is, the, is the one that comes to mind. Um, but even even with him back in, yeah, it's it's a long. I I think they're probably you know a, a, a between a seven and a. Actually, I, I think they won't play finals between a nine and a twelve. Yep. Um, sort of thing. The the other thing I have doubts with them is the whole Ben McAvoy experiment down back. Um, I, I just don't understand it. You don't don't see big boys as a, as a back one? 
Well, I just think he's a top six ruckman. Yeah. I think a lot of clubs would be... I'll tell you this now. If he keeps playing centre-half back, I think a lot of clubs will be uh, be calling his agent at the end yeah. of this year. He'll be 31, so he's not he's not too old. Um, he can definitely help out a, a club that doesn't have a ruckman. Um, but I think they've got enough size down there. Like, you recruited Frost. You've still got Frawley. You've got Sicily down there. Like it's, I think they've got enough size. They, I think it's just a surplus to requirements um, for him to go back there. I think when you've got a ruckman as talented as he is, obviously he's a, a great athlete around the ground. Um, I, I just think there's no, there's not, it's just not necessary. Um, at number fourteen, I've got I've got the doggies. The, uh, the poor old doggies have, haven't had a good uh, good two rounds, um, and look, I think they will improve, which is why they're not in the bottom four. Um, but things have got to, things have got to move quickly. I'll, I'll say that much. Because this this is already looking like it could be a lost season. Uh, Frio, I'll, I'll get through the bottom four pretty quickly. Frio, Sydney, Carlton, and Adelaide. Um, Frio probably could be a little bit higher. They've shown a, a little bit of talent uh, and ability in their first couple of games. Just haven't quite got the chockies. Um, but Sydney, Carlton, Adelaide, probably the uh, especially Adelaide being the most disappointing side. Sydney and Carlton. Sydney won their first game against Adelaide. Narrowly, and then pretty close against Essendon as well. Um, but I'm not seeing a lot from them. And uh, Carlton, obviously, uh, their first quarter um, was just absolutely abysmal against the Demons. It came, got better, but be, they did they did get a lot better to be fair to them. But the first quarter, really, if they keep playing like that in the first quarter, proper teams won't yeah. let them get back into it. That's correct. Um, so that's the the power rankings. Um, so just to, as a refresher, so. Richmond, Collingwood, Port Adelaide, Geelong, GOS, North, West Coast, St Kilda is the top eight. And then uh, after that, Essendon, Brisbane, Melbourne, Gold Coast, Hawthorne, the Western Bulldogs, Fremantle, Sydney, Carlton, and the Crows round out. Uh, you got any objections to that? No, I think that's all pretty stock standard. I think, um, um, yeah, I think that's all pretty standard. I think... If um, they really like with GWS in that fifth position or sixth, um, they do have so they do have a lot of talent. But if they do don't start performing, I think you people have got to, people are going to start questioning if they're the real deal once again. Who's that? Like, sorry, G- GWS. Yeah, yeah. But um, no, I, I, that was that's all pretty. Um, I don't think you can have too many complaints about that. Yeah, the other. Unlike the um, person you have starting your all-Australian backline that might rise <laughs> through a few eyebrows. All right, so we're going to get to our rolling Australian test. We're probably going to do this every two or three weeks. Um, to, in short, so we're not going to do it every week because things don't change enough. Um, but so we, we've taken a, taken a line each. Uh, so I've uh, gone the, gone the uh, full back line, the centre line, um, and the then the followers. Um, Ben's got the two forward lines, the half back line, and he's done the interchange as well. Well, we've we've done the interchange together. Yep. Um, so, without further ado, so I'll start with my full back line. So this is the first. I'll I'll start with my most uh, most controversial selection. Um, call me biased all you want. Uh, his name is Callum Wilkie. Um, if you... Are we sure we don't have the? The um, man behind AFL trade news, trade news <laughs> and results. No, Cooper, not, it's not Cooper. Um, so his stats, like if you look at the old statistics, you know, 
uh, possessions, um, all, all the stuff like that, he's not going to jump off the page, Dylan Wilkie. But when you go through the more advanced sort of stuff, he has eight intercept possessions per game, um, which is uh, third in the league. Uh, his score involvements for a defender are elite. Uh, his marks uh, are elite. He's taking the kickouts um, for the Saints. Uh, he rebound 50s are, are elite. His one percenters are elite. Uh, and his, uh, his tackle is above average um, for a defender of his size. Um, plays on the most dangerous sort of mid-size forward each week. So I'm looking forward to when Dugowie goes forward this week. Um, it'll be interesting to see how Wilkie handles him, but he just put, reads the play so well. Um, he uh, doesn't get beaten one on one really, so I think obviously the stats don't overly jump off. But when you watch him enough, uh, I'm pretty happy with my uh, my Callum Wilkie selection. Uh, one that won't ruffle as many feathers, uh, pretty easy one. Uh, Harris Andrews uh, at fullback. Mm-hmm. The um, there's another one. Just he's going to be uh, at the fullback of the centre half position for a long time. Uh, he's currently has 25 intercept positions. The next nearest is 21, uh, which is uh, Jeremy Howe. I've got my back pocket. Um, so those two in the back fullback and back pocket. Jeremy Howe's had an outstanding start to the season. Um, been a very 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 good super coach uh, pickup as well for those that had the foresight at the start of the season. I know I certainly wasn't one of them. Um, but you know he uh, brilliant distributor by foot, great to set mark, great mark as we all know. Um, so that's my full back line: Callum Wilkie, Harris Andrews, and Jeremy Howe. Uh, Who have you got on the half back line? I uh, got Adam Saad, um, Jacob Wiedering, who has been very good. Um, he's kept hasn't conceded a goal. Yeah, who who did he keep? He kept um, so Tom Lynch round one, and then, um, and then they played on Tom, Tom Donald. Tom McDonald's one of the most dangerous forwards in the comp. Um, yeah, he's been. He's. I watched that game. He actually was pretty good down back. Um, did played his role, and um, yeah, deserves to be in this team when you're when you're a backman and you keep your two two key defenders and especially Tom Lynch, who is one of the premier forwards in the comp to zero goals. I think that's um that's a pretty good effort. And on the other half back line, um, Darcy Byrne Jones. Yep, DBJ. He uh, has taken his game to another level um, with the, the uh, big uh, emergence of the port. Uh, Averaging 25 disposals a game and uh, nine intercept possessions. Um, yep. So, yeah, he's done done very, very well for himself if he can keep that sort of form up. Yeah, he was very good at the end of last year as well. And I flirted with him in my Supercoach team for this year. That's a little bit of point of difference. Um, but turns out I probably should have gotten him. Um, so next up, we go to the centre line, uh, which is uh, back to myself. Uh, so we have Andrew Gaff, Lockie Neal, and Scott Penderbury. Uh, Gaff leading the league in uh, disposals. I think Neal's second, and Penderbury might even be third. Um, so I can't really very, argue very with that one too players. much. Yeah, and, very, uh, very two, two, uh, sorry, three guys who uh, have done a lot right in their career. Uh, and then on my followers, I've gone Max Gorn, just ahead of Grundy, um, it was a nail biter as it as it tends to be all year. Gorn's game on uh, on Saturday night just put him over the line uh, as as far as dominance goes. Whereas uh, Brody Grundy was fairly subdued on Thursday night, but obviously was massive in round one. Um, and then Nat Fife and uh, Luke Parker is my uh, my rover. Come my come was a little bit of a surprise to some people, um, but he's uh, right up there as far as clearance work. 
Um, a spe- special mention, or he didn't make the bench either. Um, Taylor Adams has uh, started the season um, quite magnificently as well. Yeah, he, he was on fire in that first quarter against yeah. um, Richmond. He was outstanding. So he's currently leading the league as far as clearance goes. Um, unfortunately, can't, couldn't quite sneak him in this uh, pretty strong side. Uh, so the forward line for you, Benny, it's been a it's been an interesting one for the forwards. Uh, yeah. No, no real uh, standouts as far as the. Uh, the, the tall forwards go. So a lot of small forwards we've got in the mix here. Yeah, well, as we, we were talking about, um, I think the other day, um, the Charlie Cameron is leading the um, the goal kicking um, with six goals, equal with um, Perryman um, from the Giants. Um, but in the team, we've got um, half forward Michael, Wad- Michael Walters, who's um, very dangerous for um, Jeremy Cameron and Jack Billings on the half forward line. Then we've got Isaac Keeney, Jake Stringer, and Charlie Cameron in the um, in the forward pocket. Puts up some seriously uh, serious uh, matchup headaches in the uh, in the mind of the opposition. I reckon that forward line. Yeah, that's um, it's taking very a few, hard. Uh, taking a few taller defenders in there. Well, you'd, you'd be, I'd love to see that that uh, back line. Up against that forward line. Well, I know, I know Callum Wilkie would probably uh, tower one, one of them up, whoever he gets put on. <laughs> um, so, whoever. Yeah, that's, well, that's a good thing about Callum. We can put him on anyone. Um, but Harris and Andrew, Harris Andrews and Weedering, obviously, big boys. But uh, one of them's got to go to Cameron. The other might uh, might struggle with whatever matchup he gets. Uh, and then uh, on the interchange, we've got Brody Grundy, uh, Harry Perryman, uh, as we said before, um, leading the Coleman. Uh, ben Cunnington, um, who was uh, very, very good in round one, a bit more subdued round two, um, but still just done enough. And uh, Jack Steele uh, was yep. the last one, who uh, has had two big disposals, 23 disposals in, in both games. Um, did a good job on Sean Higgins in round one, kept him with 17 disposals. Uh, and then re- for three quarters, absolutely dominated Bondapelli. Um, Bondapelli got off the chain a little bit. Uh, in the last quarter, um, but, but before that, uh, still well and truly had his number. Um, and then still's also going forward and kicked a couple goals, which has very much helped his case. Well, as, uh, as we, were talk, we were talking about the other day, Charlie, so who would have guessed after two rounds, the top five in the um, Coleman will be Charlie Cameron, Perryman on six goals each, and then Heaney, Stringer, Billings on five goals each. It's bizarre. It is um, pretty out there. And... Um, and then even you go after that, you got um, King, Marshall, Burgoyne, Papley, Duncan, <laughs> Martin, Motlop, C- Cameron, yeah, Myers, uh, Brute, Bolton, and Hipwood all on four goals. So a couple, uh, couple special uh, mentions. Uh, I was already mentioned uh, Taylor Adams, um, but uh, Connor Rosie uh, has been absolutely magnificent. Uh, and his second year, no case in the second year Blues there just yet. Uh, Matt Rowell, uh Speaks for himself, really, his first two games. Uh, Todd Goldstein would be in just about every other year, but there's two Ruckman uh, who are uh, doing their thing um, this year. Jack Viney and Chris Petrarca um, both have had one great game and one not as great. Uh, for the Demons, Dylan Shield uh, and Jai Simpkin um, have been pretty consistent, but not quite in there. Um, and uh, David Asprey and Patrick Cripps are the other ones who deserve an honourable mention. Sure, Cripps will find himself in the team at some stage, um, but unfortunately for him, uh, not quite good enough 
to break in for the first uh, two games. Um, so that's uh, that's about all uh, we had uh, for today. Um, so as I said, we'll we'll can come back to the uh, the All Australian team in a couple of weeks. Um, I'll be updating it as the uh, as the rounds go on. Um, so pretty pretty solid uh, sort of team. Not not really what you're expecting, especially that uh, that forward line. No, um, not but couldn't really pick that, could you? But uh, I'm sure one of the key forwards, one of the superstars, your Ben Brown, Tom Lynch, Jeremy Cameron, will really uh, really put themselves over the top uh, at some stage with a big five goal bag or more. Hopefully, um, we we all love uh, to see what they do when they get uh, when they get going. Um, ben, been a pleasure as always, mate. Oh, always is, mate. All right, you uh, you keep yourself safe. You keep no, yourself safe. Um, have a good uh, have a good rest of the week, everyone. Uh, we'll uh, and talk to you over the weekend. We will be having a special guest coming on the show in the next we, um, week or two. We will. We're doing some work behind the scenes, um, so stay tuned for that as well. We'll be um, we'll be very big. Right. Um, Thanks, cheers. guys.